Well, hello. I'm Lainey, also known as Electro Girl, and I'm an advocate for empowering people to get back in the driver's seat of their diagnosis. See, I was diagnosed with epilepsy 30 years ago and basically was never satisfied with hearing from a doctor that pharmaceuticals would be the only approach to controlling my seizures. I just wasn't going to take it. Out of my way, mortal. So I committed many, many years to researching and finding an answer outside of the Western medicine approach to find a more holistic approach in managing and treating my epilepsy and the seizures. The Love Your Diagnosis podcast is a show about exactly that. Each week, we will be looking into the life of someone who has been diagnosed with a condition or illness and has succeeded in managing their diagnosis both in and outside of Western medicine. Basically, what put them back in the driver's seat of their diagnosis. Well, 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 here we are again, the Love Your Diagnosis podcast. Now today, we'll touch on something which we haven't touched on before, and that is bulimia nervosa. It's probably one of the least spoken about eating disorders, just because the people that are going through this carry a lot of shame and embarrassment around it. And Dr. Kelly Kessler is someone that is happy to talk about it and start to educate around her experience with it all and give a really big insight into what bulimia nervosa is. Bulimia nervosa is an eating disorder, but what most people probably don't know about it is that when you have eating disorders, there can be a significant physical affliction that comes with that. So the physical body from vomiting and there are repercussions with eating disorders that I didn't know too much about, but Kelly shone a bit of the light on onto that. The physical effects that can happen from an eating disorder is really significant and actually kind of put her out for quite a few years because of the excess of exercise and what the what the strain of vomiting does on the body. So she was very happy to share her story. It's quite a touching story and quite an amazing story of self-diagnosis because she never actually got diagnosed with it. She self-diagnosed it and realized there was a problem and then worked her way into fixing it up. I asked Kelly at what age it started and when it all started and this is what she had to say. So looking back on it, um, I think when I was in the middle of it, I didn't really understand the impact of it. But I would say looking back, it started around age 18 and uh, continued with uh, the majority of it going to about age 24. So I, I was always an athlete. So I was always exercising and to, to extremes. But you know, I always looked at it as I'm just being an athlete. But what started to happen when I was 18, I had a lot of life changes and I started binging as a way to kind of just cope with that. So I was binging and then I would purge through exercise just because I was completely perseverating on the calories I was taking in and what was going out at that time. So I was exercising about four, three to four times a day. So I would eat in the morning, exercise after that for an hour, eat lunch, go back to the gym, eat dinner, go back to the gym and even do like 3 a.m. runs. And that was day in and day out. 
So that's how it started. And I didn't really recognize how unhealthy that behavior was until it started progressing. So I was taking in more and more calories and couldn't control it with exercise alone. So I started vomiting to expel the calories. And I think at that point, I realized I had a real problem. I think that was kind of when I realized things were getting a little out of control. Did you want to vomit because you read somewhere that that would do it? Or was that just an intuitive thought that you had? Okay, well, this would be one way to get those extra calories outside of me. Where did vomiting come into it? I actually started, so it was with the exercise and then I started eating excessive amounts of fiber, hoping that I would expel the calories that way. And then again, I just felt like I couldn't, I was taking so many calories because I was just binging all day that I'm like, right, how else can I get rid of these? And that's when I'm like, you know, this is probably the easiest way because I was killing my body at that time. Like I can't physically do any more exercise. So this is the next logical step would be to vomit. So I, I don't know if it was from reading other people doing it at the time. I wasn't really big on social media and there wasn't a whole lot at that time as far as that. And I didn't really look it up. I just felt like this is something that I, it was in my control that I could do to expel the calories a little bit easier than pounding the pavement. It's, it's called an eating disorder. Is that right? It is. Is it also, and I'm just throwing this out from, you know, from what I see and hear and read, is it there also a mental health part of it? Like, does it become addictive to do this as well? Yeah, absolutely. You know, looking back on it, I experienced a lot of anxiety at that time. And I would say even depression. I was, uh, you know, it was a time when I was transitioning into college. I felt very alone. I had really no support system. You know, I, I felt like my mentality, I'm very much a perfectionist, very type A. Basically, at the time, I felt like nothing I did was good enough. And I had a very negative mindset about myself. And that was something that I had control of. And it was something that it was almost like my crutch, like I could always fall back on that. You know, looking back on it, I even realized I was in my childhood home and I was going through my desk and I found a piece of paper that I had written when I was 10. I even had dated it and it said, I'm fat. So I recognized that this was the story I was telling myself through my whole childhood. And then it just started to manifest into physical behavior. Yeah. And it's it's a pretty crucial time for boys and girls, you know, teenage coming into adulthood, uh, particularly you know, back when I was that age, we just really had magazines and television. We didn't have any access to computers at all, really. You're, I think, in a different generation where it was just starting social media. Yeah, I was already in my 30s when all that was happening. Yeah. So we didn't have that extra pressure. Was it the external world that was pushing you to look perfect or was it your own because you just actually said that you like to be in control was that one way where things were happening for you where you felt out of control that this was the one thing that you could focus on that you could be in control of yeah I think it was a combination I think my in my mindset I felt like if I could just obtain this like perfect body then I would finally be happy and I'd finally feel joyful and you know have all those feelings that I wanted and to feel accepted and um, I think that was the driving force that like, if I could just obtain that and, and be happy physically, then everything else mentally would kind of follow. And we all know that that's a load of shit, don't we? Now. It is. 100%. Absolutely. I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, like you realize how distorted your thoughts are when you're 
on the other side of it. And you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I was thinking that way. But that's exactly what I thought at the time. Like, well, if I look a certain way, I'll feel a certain way and just never panned out, which it never would have. And so did friends and family know what was happening for you at the time? Because I, I imagine that that's quite hard to, or it could be easy to hide, you know, is it hard or easy to hide the fact that you, when you eat, you go and vomit? Yeah, I honestly, my family had no idea. And I only had one friend that I had told at that time. I just that one friend I confided with. And I felt like that was more of like my accountability person. So I would share with her how I was doing. And she was very, very receptive and open. So I felt like I had that sounding board for like accountability with her. And, you know, I'm very, very thankful for her because she kind of not that she she's not a professional, but she was just more a support. And, and that's what I needed. And Amazing. Did she realize what a pivotal person she was in your life? Did she realize how much was relying on her to be there for you? She's just such a good person. I don't think she realizes how tremendous of a, a person she is, you know, for doing that. You know, we're, we're still very close friends and, you know, I appreciate everything she's done for me. I don't think she realized how much that meant to have someone who listened. With the exercise, the way it started, I actually was like praised by people, you know, like, wow, you're so committed and determined and, you know, you never miss a day. So people were just viewing it as like, oh, wow, she's really, you know, enthusiastic about exercise. They didn't understand what the driving force of it was for me. When the vomiting started, which was like a few years later, I was very secretive. So no one knew. I feel like it was easy enough for me to hide because I would just kind of slip away and then and then just reappear. So, and I was not living at home at that time. I was, uh, had my own room, my own bathroom. So it was easier to hide for me because I wasn't living with anyone at that time. Well, there comes a time in everyone's illness, I suppose, or everyone's condition where They have to take a good look at what they're doing and decide, oh, I don't think I can go on like this anymore. And with Kelly, the vomiting and the obsessiveness with exercise just got too much. And so there was a turning point for her. And let's find out the story that made all of this kind of become clear to her so she could get a hold on what was going on for her and basically save her life. I remember, you know, this is my senior year of college. I remember I had just eaten like three bags of M&Ms throughout the day. Chocolate was my thing. And I was just overwhelmed by the amount of calories I had taken in. So I, you know, threw up multiple times and went into my room and I just sat on the floor crying because I'm like, oh my God, I can't keep living like this. You know, I was like shaking. I felt like my heart was pounding out of my chest. I felt like I was just completely, you know, emotionally, mentally, and physically out of control. And I actually wrote in my journal, which I have a lot of like entries throughout time, but I actually wrote how I was feeling. And I just feel like that was like my rock bottom. You know, I recognized I had to make some changes because if I don't make a change now, like I'll never, you know, first of all, I I may be physically ill forever because if I don't do this, I was setting myself up for a bad trajectory. But that really was the turning point where I'm like, this can't keep going on. I can't do it because it's just getting out of control very quickly. So you chose not to go see a doctor about this? 
Yeah, I honestly was just, I felt very ashamed of what I was doing. Like I was embarrassed, you know, I didn't want anyone knowing this. And I only really confided in one friend who I knew would be there for me. And she was kind of like my sounding board, but I was just embarrassed to go talk to any about that, anyone about this. And I didn't, I felt like I just didn't even know what resources to get because I didn't want to tell my family about it. And then I'm like, I, I, I felt like kind of, I, I didn't know where to go. And why did you feel such shame around it? What were the parts of the actions of bulimia that, that you were embarrassed or ashamed to tell people about? The binging and then the vomiting. That's, that honestly was just like really embarrassing to me. I think people perceive me as like this really athletic girl who's got everything together. And I knew, I almost felt like it was a facade, you know, like to my true self, like no one really understood my true self other than me. And I'm like, if I told everyone what the truth was, they would question who I've been, you know? So I felt like I just was almost hiding my true identity. So I just didn't want to share that. But really just the, the binging part was really embarrassing. I felt like I had no control. Yeah. And for someone that likes to be in control, that that would be difficult. Yeah, I get that. You know, people see illness in so many different ways. Some people really want to reach out and get the help immediately, don't want to do it on their own. And, and it sounds like you felt that hiding it would be one way to keep the mask that you wanted the world to see up. You know, I, I can completely relate to that, which is co- exactly what I did. And it was an ego, totally an ego decision. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But you carry that for a long time. Like I think I still, even though I've dealt with it all and I had the catharsis around my my condition of epilepsy, I still carry a little bit of shame and embarrassment about it all. That's the work that I am doing now at the moment. But are you still carrying shame around it? Yeah, I can completely relate to that. Yeah, I mean, there is still, I, I mean, I would say my mentality is completely different on it, but there is still a part like, I've only still shared it with only a handful of people. Not anymore. Uh, not anymore. Oh, I know. And and that honestly has been um, until this past year, you know, I've been very open about that. And I feel like that's been another piece of my healing journey that I now, you know, I was saying the last year now, like when I made my first video of like, explaining what I've been through, it was like, oh my gosh, like it was overwhelming post, you know, there still is a little bit of that who's seeing this right now, you know. I can say that I am in such a better place, so I feel like I'm okay to share that now. That's great. I'm glad that you yeah. uh, are, are here doing it with me and everyone that's listening. What actually was the turning point for you where you went, okay, I'm going to do something about this, and what was it that you actually did to try and reprogram your brain about the way you looked? So I started changing my behaviors. You know, I was exercising three to four times a day, so I just started decreasing that time. So I'm like, even if I chip off five minutes from each one, I could stop doing that. And I just kind of inched my way. It wasn't a linear journey. I'll say that it was, you know, there were days I felt like I was doing well. And there are days that like I would regress significantly, but I had it in my head that I want to be a different person. I want to be a joyful person. I want to be truly happy with who I am. And that was the end point. And then I felt like I had to change my behaviors to match who that person is. So I kind of just pictured who I want to be. And I knew it wasn't going to be immediate, but when it's down the line, like I knew I eventually wanted to have a family and have a life where I can be social and be around people and, and happy. And I kind of started changing my behaviors to match that. 
but it, it took many years. Okay, so you you chipped off five minutes each time. What was your protocol about the vomiting and the binging? I mean, I definitely had binging periods, but then I feel like I would try to go longer in between that and just kind of recognize, okay, today I did not. And recognize the good things that I was doing. It did continue. It wasn't like I had that epiphany and like everything stopped. Like it did continue, but it just became less frequent. And so like, if I did a day that I didn't, I'd be like, okay, you did that, you know, like that, that is good and kind of celebrate those wins. And then, all right, you did two days. Okay. And then eventually it just kind of almost like beamed off where I didn't really have that urge to do that anymore. Marvelous. Did you journal at the time? I did. I like express myself through writing a lot. So um, I wrote a lot during that time and how I was feeling and just kind of that, that journey. I wish I had written more, but um, I did throughout that, just and uh, that I felt like was very healing to me too. So journaling and talking to your friend, were there anything else that kind of helped you get through it and see how you were tracking, how good you were tracking for yourself? I read a lot of self-help books at that time. Any ones that you remember that you can share? Um, Embracing Fear was one that I read, and and that I feel like transitioned my mindset too, where I realized like. It doesn't have to stay like this and that things can get better. So I feel like that was a motivator too, to just think differently. Oh yes. It's not always as it seems when you're dealing with one thing and trying to deal with the shame and embarrassment and just trying to navigate your way around a disease or an illness or a condition What Kelly found out through her experience was that it wasn't just a mental health issue that she was dealing with. It actually had severe physical implications on her body from the years of putting herself through physical exercise every day, many times a day, and also the physical outcomes of vomiting and what that does to the rest of your bodies. Let's hear her story of what that actually looked like for her when she when she put the connection together between the physical and the mental side of bulimia nervosa. Yes, there were. So after I got myself kind of into a better place with the eating disorder, I experienced chronic back pain for years, Uh, you know, to the point like sometimes it'd be hard to even just like put my shoes on or like get out of bed and just like daily function, like sitting in the car for a long period of time, like I couldn't do that. It would ebb and flow, you know, I'd have weeks where I couldn't do that and then it would get a little bit better, but then it would go right back to that excruciating pain and it just really impacted my life in another way that I um, really had to take a step back and I couldn't exercise and I couldn't do the things I actually enjoy because of it. And what do you think the pain was from? So at the time, I actually went to a practitioner and they took an x-ray and they're like, well, your disc height at L4, L5 is a quarter of what it should be. And you know, I was in my mid-20s and there was kind of like that doom and gloom, like it'll never get better. This is pretty much forever. It doesn't heal itself. And that stuck with me in my mid-20s. I'm like, oh my gosh, like it's only going to progress from here on out. 
that was through physical therapy school, going through physical therapy school, you know, you learn all the things of what you should do for back pain. So I was using myself as like a patient to help myself through the back pain. So I was doing all these mechanical things of, you know, different exercises. And I literally never, never really had improvement from that. So I just kind of transitioned everything. And again, reading a lot and understanding things more. And I recognized that even though I was not doing the behaviors of the eating disorder, I still had a lot of the residual effects from that. I was still experiencing anxiety. I was still, I never really healed mentally from that. So I started doing a lot of nervous system regulation with, you know, working on calming myself down and and really um, empowering myself to be more regulated. So working on breath work, I started doing meditation. I started doing just in like intuitive movement. And only until I did that, did I actually achieve any kind of like relief from the pain. It was a journey in itself just to figure out how to heal from that. But I recognized that everything I went through was very much causing the back pain. Amazing insight. Oh, thank you. There could have been many roads that you could have gone down with that with different practitioners and tests and medications and things like that. So the fact that yeah, your intuition and your insight recognized it didn't need that journey at all and that it was all related mm-hmm. to the choices that you made as a young adult, yeah, is remarkable. Well done, Kelly. Thank you. <laughs> Honestly. Thank you. Thank you very much. Is the chronic pain, is it is it completely gone for you now? I would say 90 to 95% gone. I mean, every once in a while I'll get a, a little bit, but I really, it doesn't impede on my life like it was. Like I have a two-year-old son, I pick him up, you know, I I play field hockey. I did a triathlon a few months ago. Like it's not affecting me like it was. Do you have daughters? I have a son. You have a son. Okay. Yep. (laughs) Would you know what to recognize in your son if he grows up with this mindset that you had? Yeah, I actually have thought about that because, you know, I look back on like my childhood and like, why was I experiencing that to that extent? My parents, very supportive, but very much like black and white. If you do it this way, you do it this way. You know, there's really no gray and the high expectations for like academic and, you know, everything was like high expectations. And I felt like I never wanted to disappoint them. I think parenting my son, I'm going to be much, much more open and kind of allow him to discover what is best for him. But I think allowing that open communication would let me see maybe some of those warning signs. One thing is behavior, but it's also just understanding the mentality of things. You know, if he feels like nothing he does is good enough, that would be a red flag for me. For me, just encouraging a lot of acceptable outcomes, not just such black and white, you know, or or that perfectionist attitude. I'm and be much more open to allowing him to kind of discover that himself. Wonderful. You got to live and learn, right? Yes, absolutely. Do you experience any of the bulimia nervosa symptoms at all at this age now, having done all that work? I would say I can't say I've never thought about it. It still does impact me mentally. Like every once in a while, I'll have like a thought where I'll like I'll look in the mirror and just have, you know, just poor body image or just not feel good or how my clothes are feeling, but I don't act on it now. You know, I feel like at this, like now I, I know the tools to kind of redirect myself and change that quicker. At the time, I feel like I didn't have tools and I didn't, I, I didn't know what to do. So now it's like, I can't say I'm hundred, you know, hundred percent cured. Everything's gone, but 
know, I do still think like that sometimes, but I, I feel like now I'm able to focus more on the positives rather than focusing on just the neg- negative things. Oh, yeah. Yep, that's right. The question on everybody's lips in every podcast that I do is, do you actually love your diagnosis or are you putting up with it? Dr. Kelly Kessler has this to say about that. It has brought me so much insight into myself and I am very much appreciative of the struggles it put me through because I feel like I have become a better person. I feel like I'm much more understanding of people. I'm much more open and able to communicate with people better because of everything that I went through. Yeah, beautiful. I suppose any yeah, any parting tips or advice that you can give to anyone that's listening that is experiencing these kinds of things? Sure, yeah. I would say, um, you know, the the connecting part between the eating disorder and the chronic pain is the nervous system. And so I recognize, you know, now, of course, that the nervous system was giving me like a heightened response because I was basically like a ball of knots all the time, just because I was anxious all the time. And something to empower people is that the nervous system is always adaptable. It is always flexible. No longer, no matter how long you have gone through something, you can always change and become a different version and teach your nervous system how to regulate and be better. It's there to protect you. It's not there to harm you, even though some of the symptoms it gives you hurt. It's really there for protection and uh, learning how to regulate it is really just the best way to kind of come out on the other side. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Yeah, it sounds like a great journey. And if you can help people in the process, which through this and and even, you know, posting, do you post stuff about it on socials now? I, I post a lot about it, TikTok, Instagram, and, and I do YouTube as well. I'm very open about my story and connecting the dots because I've spoken to a lot of women who have chronic pain and they had an eating disorder, but never realized that the two were very much connected. Fabulous. I'll put all your details in the podcast notes. Are you actually working as a physical therapist? Did that come from this or were you interested in that before? No, I was interested in that before. I've always been interested in the human body and health. Yeah, I would say it didn't really direct me in that route, but now taking it, I've really been able to mend the two together. So my understanding of the human body and nervous system, but then using that knowledge to help people in the situation I was in. So you're directly working with women or men or or any genders with eating disorders and physical pain? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Chronic pain and eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Fabulous. I'll put all the links up in the podcast notes because that's incredible. It's great when you're directed through your own life to your, your life's work. It's phenomenal. Oh, thank you. Thank you for joining me and sharing your story. Very powerful story of self-intuitive work. Well done. All right. Take care. Thank you very much. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. If you would like to donate to the running of this podcast and you can afford a few little bucks a month or whatever it is that you can afford to keep the show going without ads... 
please hit this PayPal button. And if you've got a few loose coins, that would really mean a lot to me and other people who are listening to this podcast and getting seeds of inspiration. Also, leave a review on Apple Podcasts because that just means more people will know about it. If you've got a story that you want to share, that you've had success with and that you've researched and found some some joy and gold in your own diagnosis, please hit me up. I'm always happy to share anyone's story. The main takeaway message in these podcasts is get second opinions, find a doctor that you really resonate with and research the shit out of what you're going on. Get back in the driver's seat of your health, everyone. You do not need to take one person's opinion about the rest of your life and how to live it. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. I'm Lainey Godiva. Godiva.